the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Mimosas and Bloody Marys here on a Sunday morning at the Cover 3 tailgate. As news breaks, uh, you know, right around 8.30, 9 a.m., things moving very quickly. But as you know from joining us here or clicking on the podcast where you see those sirens in your feed, you know exactly what that means. Texas A&M is in the process of parting ways with Jimbo Fisher. Now, Bud, as, as we sit here right now, we are at the, um, you know, multiple outlets, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, Tech Sags, Billy Lucci was on this first. Uh, Brett McMurphy, Pete Thamel have offered their additional reporting as well. It, it seems as though this is going to be happening in the, ne- the next hours, right? You know, like we'll, we will be finding out on Sunday that Texas A&M is moving forward. Here are the details that are uh, notable. Pete Thamel reporting um, that Texas A&M is expected to uh, fulfill the entire buyout which is roughly $76 million off that incredibly lucrative 10-year deal that uh, Jimbo Fisher signed uh, a little while ago. He, of course, is... Well, how, how about... How, how did we get here now? I want to do the big-picture stuff on, you know, Jimbo Fisher's you know, time at Texas A&M. Was it successful? Because he had wins, and he had, you know, recruiting wins that I, I think are, are absolutely relevant so, and Tom Fernelli joining the mix. You, I appreciate it. You're grinding. Had to wake up to this on the news desk. Tom, I'm I did this. I did this to myself. 
No, we did. The Cover 3 tailgate said you spent Saturday night asking about whether we would emergency pod for Mississippi State, <laughs> not knowing we were at the wrong SEC West school. Anyway, Bud, how did we get here now? Let's, let's go ahead and start there. Mute button gets you. The mute button is fulfilled <laughs> the entire buyout. Good. Oh, it looks like I'm just in time. Hey, where were we? Uh, Tom jumps in the stream. My, my internet goes to cut. Okay. All right. Are you good? All right. Maybe jump out. Tom, how did we get here now? What what do you think were the places that changed from the start of this season or more specifically the end of last year's five and seven season to where we are right now? I mean, I I think at the end of last year, obviously going five and seven things were already, you know, up in the air as far as the hot seat was concerned. But, you know, you bring in Bobby Petrino, you're supposed to be relinquishing some of your, you know, offensive play calling duties and turning things over and maybe being more of a head coach on Saturdays. And we're going to see how things go. And then it's, you know, been more of the same really all year long where it's that you're reaching the point where you've figured out that, you know, whatever it is, this is not going to work, at least not how we wanted it to. And even after you know, winning putting up 51 points against Mississippi State, which that's got to be like their highest scoring output in the SEC in a while, if not the entire time he's been there. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if something specific has changed, if there's something in the contract we don't know about where there's like a date going on, but clearly like they, there's been rumblings about this for weeks now, like Feldman, I think reported a month ago that there was a very realistic possibility that this could be happening, that they would be getting the money together to do it. And I think maybe they just got the money together. And now it's like, all right, let's do it. May I? Can you guys hear me now? We're good. Yeah. yeah. All right, nice. So I, I really, uh, I put this sort of back in mind a little bit because uh, of what uh, Britt Zimmerman of the, however you say his name, of the Houston Chronicle had reported. Like I, I read his article two weeks ago. I was like, oh, okay, they're they're keeping him for one more year. I, look, it, when when A and M hired Jimbo. I was very convinced that Jimbo was not going to get it turned around in Tallahassee based on the specific happenings that were going on with him and between him and the school, right? Personal stuff and then also like professional stuff between the school. But I wasn't willing to think that it would be a total disaster at A&M because I thought a reset for his career could work. And he did some good things at A&M in terms of recruiting, in terms of, of modernizing some of the things they were doing. But he lost four or more games in every single year that was not the COVID year, right? And if you're mm-hmm. AM and you're paying that kind of cheddar, I, I don't think it's realistic, hey, we're paying this millions of dollars, so you have to win a national title. But I do think it's realistic to say, if we're paying you a buyout of $76 million, like the fact that we're going to enter into a deal worth that kind of guaranteed money, we expect you to win like 10 games a year, right? Not eight. And people say, hey, the COVID year counts. Sure it does. Okay, that, that that's a normal year in the sport, right? A lot of those results don't look totally wonky. Uh, in relief of, of uh, we're off, and the literally they're just they were always sloppy, right? Like they're they're just never okay. That's the dependable good A and M program. They look poorly coached. So I mean, if you're A and M, you got the money. 
you can demand more than Jimbo. I don't know if you can be like, hey, this is definitely a national title type guy, but um, you can demand more than four losses a year for sure. I mean, there's also like, you know, it's it's not similar to what we were talking about with James Franklin on the reaction show last night. Like you brought in to attain a certain level and on the recruiting trail, they have been. It's been a bunch of top 10 classes. The 2022 class was what? The, the, the highest rated class of all time. But you're one in five against Alabama. Like mm-hmm. that's it's you were brought in not to just be like finishing in second and third place behind Alabama and maybe, you know, hoping you can get to the SEC title game once in a while. You're supposed to be, you know, competing with directly and beating them on the field. And they just haven't done that. Like he's had more success against LSU. I think they're three and two against LSU under Jimbo. But I think one of those was under an interim coach. It was just it's some of them were weird end of season stuff. But you're not beating the teams you were brought in to beat. And hell, you're not beating the other teams often enough, re- reliably enough to really, you know, earn any kind of trust going forward or a little more patience. So, yeah, it's 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 not a surprise. The timing is what's weird to me. Um, you want to talk about some unexpected timing? How about Andrew here in the Cover 3 tailgate, where, of course, all the insiders hang out. Andrew says, I'm at my buddy's who works for the team, Dude just woke me up and says, yep, boss got canned. I got to run, LOL. <laughs> Sleepovers at a staffer's get ended real quick when your boss gets fired. Team meeting down sorry at the Sorry about your pillow. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, so I've, I think I know the answer, but I at least would be curious to hear. Texas A&M, 6-4 on the season. You mentioned you know, they put up 51 points in Kyle Field against Mississippi State last night. Next week against Abilene Christian for the regular season home finale and then at LSU to close out the season. Why now? Like Why here on Sunday after week 11? Uh, Get a rush on the market. Yeah, I mean that. That we, Bud even mentioned this the other day. We were talking about the coaching carousel being kind of just you know vanilla so far this year, unless something big opened up that could you know cause dominoes to fall elsewhere. Well, the big domino or one of the larger dominoes just kind of fell down, and it's going to open some things up. And yeah, it it gets them an early start on the market, but at the same time. Like, who is the no doubt, like, you know, who are you going to go get coaching hire? Like, I know Elko is going to be considered the favorite. He's a name that's already coming up as an obvious candidate, and I think it makes plenty of sense. But it is, there is, like, optics-wise, you paid Jimbo all this money to come. Now you're going to pay him a bunch of money to go away. I think Mike Elko is a very good football coach, but kind of replacing Jimbo with Mike Elko just doesn't really, I don't know, it, it just feels weird, doesn't it? I mean, in a hiring a bit, cycle, also, well, I was going to say, we often look back at where the stock price was on these coaches in a coaching mm-hmm. carousel, and it doesn't always make sense, right? You're just sort of, it, it. it's a snapshot of a moment in time in terms of where these coaches, you know, generally are viewed in the marketplace. Sorry, bud, didn't mean to cut you off there. No, it, it, I, it, it's no problem at all. And obviously it's hotel Wi-Fi. I, I do think that the hiring elk, if they do that, it's because internally they're going off the rails. And when he left, it really got bad internally, you know, culture wise, organization. Oh, so Elko would be your culture. If you, yeah, yeah. AM should have Elko would be coming in to clean up everything. If they feel like internally that thing is falling apart. And look, 
I mean, bud, the wake in Tallahassee suggests that things could be, if things have been falling apart on the inside for a little bit now, then um, there, there could be a, a two-year type cleanup. There might be the kind of coach that you need to come in and bring stability and be able to flip things around so that you can you know, chase that success down the road. You don't want to bring in somebody who needs this to be a turnkey operation if you believe that you know, whether it's from the turnover on the coaching staff, uh, some of the, the transfer portal ins and outs. High-profile guys coming out of high school who signed with Texas A&M and left. High-profile portal guys who have joined A&M out of the portal and never made a splash whatsoever. I mean, it just it seems like there's a whole lot of turnover on the field and on the sideline right now where whoever is coming in, like, what, who, and we'll do uh, candidates in a little bit, but let's just say rock star coaching candidate A. If rock star coaching candidate A comes in, I don't know if the bones of Texas A&M are set right now to be able to win at the level that Texas A&M's power brokers want to win. Well, possibly, but Chip, also remember what Nick Saban told us, right? That was the best best recruiting class money can buy. And if you're <laughs> a big A&M booster and you bought that, and, and you bought that recruiting class, like th- this is the last year you're going to have them coming up. 24 is going to be the last year you're going to have a lot of these guys before they're draft eligible. So you kind of want to get some kind of return on your investment for that recruiting class that you bought. So you think about it, basically – the guy, I think there are parts of this roster that are turnkey, honestly. Like, if the O-line gets a little healthier, if you think Connor Wegman's actually good, I mean, Evan Stewart is good. Walter Nolan is good. Like, Shamar Turner, a lot of these guys are really good players. Uh, I do think there is something where they could win. I don't know if they're going to win the SEC, but they don't have to go six uh, with this roster. Maybe there is some internal pressure to be like, hey, can, can we please get something out of this that – all, all these recruits who we paid up for, um, maybe that has something to do with it. Tom, do you think that the expectation? So uh, Billy Lucci announced that there was a Board of Regents meeting on Thursday where they were able to dot all, you know, get get all the university pieces in line, discuss the possibility of this, and you know, grant the power to be able to move forward if they wanted to do so. Uh, and now it does appear they want to do so. Do you think that there are unfair expectations for the Texas A&M head football coach here in 2023, 2024, in terms of the levels of success when you consider their standing in the SEC? Who else is in the SEC now? Who else is joining the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma coming? Because if you are Texas A&M, especially with the arrival of the Longhorns coming up soon, I could understand why there's a maybe a little bit of anxiety or angst um, about you know, giving up your spot and kind of slip sliding in the pecking order a little bit. I think that are actually, are you Texas A&M if you don't have ridiculously high expectations for your <laughs> coaching program? Cause I mean, that's, that's kind of been part and parcel with that program for a while now. So I do think the expectations are high. I have no problem with that. I don't think the expectations match the long-term performance of the program. Like this hasn't, been a program that competes for national titles you know in the modern era doesn't mean it can't but it is going to be more difficult to do so because you're already dealing with georgia you're already dealing with alabama at least for you know as long as saban's there and i'm guessing alabama's not going to fall off a cliff even after he leaves although you know it might that might open the door but even with the playoff expanding to 12 
even with what looks like there's going to be one more at large, which, you know, way things are trending with what the CFP is doing, they're going to the five and seven. I still think the path becomes even more difficult because now you've got to deal with Oklahoma and Texas. And now you're not just competing with them in the recruiting rankings. You're recruiting, you're competing with them directly on the field for spots in the SEC. Your schedule is about to get a lot more difficult than it already is. It's going to be hard to go 10 and 2, 11 and 1, the 12 and 0 that you're going to need to win the conference and get to the playoffs. So, yeah, like their expectations are going to be high. I don't know that they'll be able to meet them, but I don't really fault them for trying. I mean, shoot, I'd rather try than just sit there and be like, yeah, let's try to be seven and five. That's true. What, Bud, we, you were mentioning this right before we got going. Um, what kind of message do you think paying this buyout sends before we get into the candidate names? Do you think that it gives us any well, I, anything to follow in terms of what kind of candidate they're going to be looking for? I think it says, hey, like we're, we're really serious about keep we will continue to swing at a winning football coach right like we're, we're gonna keep trying and keep they've been that stuff other coaches saw that and they like they have common sense like they know AM is, is really competitive in the nil space and in the salary space and you can't pay this money to fire jimbo and go cheap on the next guy so i i think it shows as crazy as as this is that AM is is committed to trying and that it wasn't a one hit wonder in terms of, of spending up and, and they're going to turtle. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see who they can get because I, I do think it sort of funnels into the conversation of like, you've had a lot of guys go coach there who have had success elsewhere. And for whatever reason, they just can't seem to win at A&M. And I do think A&M has a lot better potential than what Jimbo got out of it. Like to me, Jimbo was a broken coach at Florida State. I thought he had a chance to have a reset in Texas A&M, and so I couldn't write it off. But I was damn sure he wasn't going to continue it. Like, he was not going to get it back at, in, in Tallahassee. But I think, like, another coach could have more success than, than he does. I just – I don't know enough, and I haven't heard anybody really explain this to me perfectly what it is about A&M, and I haven't heard A&M insiders tell me either. But, like, there's something – like you gotta admit that like the total lack of success for seven decades now, is there something there that we're missing that just makes it harder to win there than you're in a state like Texas with all with all resources recruiting wise, and you have great fans and you having like unlimited funds, and you can't win like you you'd luck into a national title at some point right based on those facts and yet they're not even close, so is there something there that we're missing, and if you're a coach considering this job. Do you care, or do you just have such great belief in your in yourself, and obviously the dollars that you're like, yeah, I'm taking this. Yeah, to like that point, think about the last decade or so in the SEC West, where Ole Miss under two different coaches has been putting together like ten win seasons. Where yeah, it's not beating the elite teams and winning the division, but it's winning ten games. It's getting to the New Year's Six bowls. It's having really good seasons. How is Ole Miss, under two different head coaches, having better seasons than Texas A&M with everything that Texas A&M has available to it? Uh, 30 years, two 11-win seasons. Mm -hmm. Like, So uh, Ole Miss has done that twice in the last decade, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you're – I mean, it, it – there, there is a um, – there is something that gets said often that says, have you been to College Station? And – 
while I have been known on the Cover 3 podcast to get off jokes, I don't want to act like I've got, I don't want to say, I don't want to have that position until I've been there. And I haven't set my foot in Kyle Field. But I do know that people also talk about it with reverence. And they talk about it like it is really amazing to see all of that passion for college football. I mean, it's a huge part of what you are selling to players. It's what you're selling to families. It's what you're selling as college football as an entertainment product. Since we know TV executives run uh, all, run the sport, like you are selling the image of all of those people in unison, just so fired up to make noise and support their football team. Like that, that passion should it shouldn't just be written off as um it as as a turnoff like there is a positive impact on that football program that comes from that community right correct sorry i got distracted by work <laughs> wait is do we have more I've, news no i've been tasked it? with finding the biggest buyouts in sports history across the board oh buddy i don't All know right. how i'm supposed to find that is Chip Kelly going to get fired? Um, so, so many of the why is that coming out? When, when Tom looked down, I, I was looking at. No, I. I mean, it's only seven thirty on the West Coast. I doubt it. Uh, I, somebody had. Uh, uh, somebody had said it in the chat. I, I was. I was curious if that's what you were looking at at, at for work. So apologies. Okay. Urban Meyer to Texas A and M. What would it look like? Urban Meyer, Texas A&M job search. Urban Meyer, Texas A&M coaching search. So, I don't know. Let's start talking candidates. We'll get into that and more. Get the ad lined up. Next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, um, as Texas A&M, which has resources and passion and um, the ability to go throw as close to a blank check as you get in the college football coaching world. Once they, of course, settle financial matters with Jimbo Fisher, it's this is going to be this is the big domino that we've got here in the coaching carousel so far here in the 2023-2024 uh, edition of the coaching carousel. So, Tom, what do, what, do the na- what do the names look like at the top of the candidates list? Mike Elko, right? Um, Urban Meyer, right? Uh, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, um, Ryan James Day, Franklin, Mike Norvell, Ryan Day. No, I, I. That's the thing. It's are they going to go after another huge name, or are they going to go after somebody who could build a program? I think, I think that's if you're going Elko, that's kind of what you're looking for. Somebody who's familiar with the lay of the land, and you kind of trust to get things in order and get things heading in a good direction. I think Dan Lanning is a name that makes a lot of sense if you're looking for somebody who has both the recruiting chops and the SEC experience as somebody who, you know, won national titles at Georgia and has done a very good job at Oregon. Would he leave Oregon for this job? I don't know. Um, I, I know Thamel, <laughs> the funniest option to me is Thamel reported Florida State's Mike Norvell as an option. You can't and go back it, to Florida State. <laughs> it would be hilarious if AM gets Jimbo from Florida State. That doesn't work out. And they're like, well, let's go back to Tallahassee and get their coach now. So yeah, I it's this is it's it's an attractive job because it's got a ton of money. I just don't know 
who they're going to be able to pry away. Like when you look at the names that that kind of money attracts, most of them are already in pretty good spots. So are they going to use Texas A&M for a raise or are they going to actually be interested in going to Texas A&M? Right. I, I think Tom nailed it there. All those guys are probably candidates. It It's going to be a job that's going to attract a ton of interest because it's going to make you unbelievably wealthy. And if you're taking this A&M job, you're probably asking for like $15 million, assuming you're like a big, big-time name. Now, Elko's not, but like he, they, they do know him, so uh, they, they should make a, a good choice on him. Like if you, you, The guy's worked for you. You should have a pretty good eval of what he was when he was inside of your building. I mean, Norvell's from Texas. Obviously, he has it rolling in Tallahassee right now. Like Again, like I mentioned, do you want to deal with all that, right? Pet, pet, pet the dog, do the chant, stand on one leg, spin around, wear the golden boots. They're putting a trophy in in the uh, the lobby with a, a blank plate for when you're going to win your national championship. Maybe that'll go on eBay, by the way. That, that's uh, Anyway, like there's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense you got to deal with there that's that's not related to to winning on the field uh, to the names that Tom threw out. I, I think you, you, you do need somebody who's competent, who knows how to run an organization. Like I would seriously take a look at, at, at Mark Stoops, you mm. know, like the guy has, the guy has maximized Kentucky, extremely consistent coach. He is a good recruiter. Kentucky's only going to get worse from now because of, of the, the SEC expanding. Like you're going to be adding another half loss, or so per year, and you have to play more good teams from the West. Now's a great time to get out if you're Mark Stoops, especially if Iowa doesn't open. I I think Mark Stoops would would win ten plus ball games at A and M. Whoa, more often than not, like, he's a really good coach. He's a good manager of people. They recruit really well for what it is. Like he's the best coach in Kentucky history. Well, since what? Like the last half century. Uh, I think it would be a good name. Obviously, Jeff Trailer. I think at UTSA, if you want, like, if you want a guy who you know of, who's local, like, really good job in the state of Texas, and a pretty nice track record at UTSA, by the way, like, does a really good job, a good coach. So, I mean, he would be somebody. Do you call James Franklin? Uh, the, 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 the calling me a clown for this Mark Stoops stuff. When Mark Stoops leaves Kentucky, watch. I'm going to look so smart because they're going to go back to having losing records more often than not, unless they keep up the terrible non-conference scheduling. I think Stoops is a good coach, man. I do too. I just think you're talking about like, I can't, I can't copy and paste Stoops to Texas A&M and expect that, um, expect that it's going to be, you know, 10 wins a season. I understand that you're giving Stoops more resources. You're giving Stoops like a better recruiting base. I, I think that the things that Mark Stoops does well is that high floor proposition. Like the re, like if if you are Texas A and M and you hire Mark Stoops, that's a, probably a pretty sane hire. Which is why I don't think it will happen. Right? <laughs> it is probably a very sane, yeah. safe hire. It is the the item on the menu that is not going to steer you wrong. Very high floor, rock solid. But I I do think that my analysis would be that the hire of Mark Stoops would be not going for the unknown of Dan Lanning. What could Dan Lanning do if we just gave him the whole war chest and just let this guy go eat? Um, Jeff Trailer is probably the not the rock star. Like Jeff Trailer is um, a little bit more of the unknown ceiling. 
where you lean on his local ties. You see the success that he's had at UTSA. He's not going to be – actually, I'll tell you what. I'll take that back. He sure as hell is going to win the press conference. That guy's got charisma overflowing. Um, but, you know, you're hiring – Texas A&M hiring UTSA's coach is one of those things that when you just – you write it out as a headline, it doesn't have that same quality of we just went to Florida State and got the guy who won a natty. Um, Mike Elko, as you mentioned – is definitely the play where you are just trying to solidify the culture because you look at what he was able to do with a Duke team that had checked out on a like Hall of Fame caliber coach in David Cutcliffe, and it, he gets in there and his coaching staff, you know, they get those guys laser focused. Nine wins last year, tough as hell team to beat uh, on the, here in 2023 as well. I, I like to group these candidates based on what your expectations are and what they could deliver. And landings like in the rock star category where we just we buckle up like, oh, man, this could this could be the special one. Trailer is your um, local flavor, potentially with a high ceiling. And then Elko, while he was there, being a northeastern guy, I mean, that just be more more Brian Kelly. He's just following the Brian Kelly path from the uh, from the northeast into into the southeastern conference to bring his own. So I. I, I like taking the candidates and trying to imagine what the different path would be in terms of trying to sell it to your fans and in terms of setting the expectations for what it's going to look like. How good would Lane Kiffin look in like cowboy boots and a cowboy hat? I saw somebody in the tailgate oh. say Lane Kiffin and Connor Wegman. Just imagine it. He just he steps in and all of a sudden the offense gets going. I mean, he would score there. Is he is Lane a serious coach? Like, to me, he's a perfect fit for Ole Miss, right? But, like, the work you have to put in recruiting at A&M is a lot more than is at Ole Miss. I think you can live a certain, like, relaxed – you can enjoy life a little more, I think, at Ole Miss than you can at College Station. There are, there are actual expectations at College Station where I don't think Ole Miss has real expectations. And I apologize to Ole Miss fans, but I guarantee you there's other coaches who agree with me on that. Also, do you land at faking it? Because I guarantee you, none of these coaches give a damn about these AM traditions, but the boosters are going to expect you to fake it. And I, I covered Jimbo for about a decade. I watched him try to fake some of that stuff when he got there. It's like, oh, this is going to be weird. I think Lane would be like the, the hilarity of Lane trying to pretend to care about some of the, like all these traditions that you have to board with at AM because they're paying you that much money. I'm so here for that. Like, I, I would laugh so hard. The you reason why Lane, Lane doesn't take that seriously. Well, all right. So you say is Lane a serious coach? I Lane think that Lane dogs. just doesn't. I think Lane doesn't take himself too seriously because he's been in this for twenty three years. He's like also he's, been fired on a tarmac, so it's like <laughs> it's, when that kind of stuff happens, it's hard to be like, yeah, no, I'm going to really, really kill myself for this. Yeah, I, I, I think that he's just like so, like seasoned and worn and calloused from this business that that's why you see him, uh, you know that sort of bring in that vibe that makes it look like he's not, I think he's very serious. I think he enjoys coaching football. I think that he really does enjoy being a college football coach. He doesn't have to do it. And yet he's still, you know, staying in the business. So I, I think that he is, uh, if you think he's not serious, I think that just comes from him being weathered more than anything else. But I would not, if I was Texas A&M, I would not hire Lane Kiffin. Okay. So instead of thinking of names, yeah. What, what does it take to win at Texas A&M? What do they need to look for as far as 
a candidate? Like, is recruiting the most important? Is coaching the most important? Is culture the most important? Like, what is the thing that they should look for? Because clearly they thought they were getting a little, like a total package in Jimbo. They thought they were getting like an offensive guru with the recruiting chops. And he had the recruiting chops. He wasn't really what I would consider an offensive guru, at least not when they hired him anymore. So what's the best way forward? Because like there are programs where, you hire a recruiter and figure everything else out later. There are programs where you hire the developer or the guy who can mold three stars into, you know, serviceable guys. It's like, what is this program's identity to get, or what, what's its best path, best path, best path to getting to where it wants to be? I've got an answer, but I'll, I'll let you go first. You you can't have somebody who's a non. Obviously, A&M has tremendous recruiting resources, right? Right, with, with, with their NIL. So you need to have somebody who who does have the ability to where if you juice them up with all the money, they can get you over the finish line in, in recruiting, right? Like if you're A&M, you got that kind of cheddar, you're going to be expecting top five classes for sure. So it can't be like a hey, just the guy's like a super scheme guy, but like they can't recruit at all, an unproven type thing. Like you need somebody who at least has some track record of recruiting like a, a little bit above weight level to when you do put the resources behind it. Like, okay, like there's a, an, a clear path forward for them to be able to compete in those high level recruits. I think you need somebody who's not an assistant right now, honestly, because I think A&M's got a lot to deal with, man. Tracks from your ability to just focus on the ball. So you need somebody who can kind of just save a thing and be like, Hey, Cut the check, shut the mouth. I'm running this ship, right? Now, granted, I think Jimbo had had the chops to do that. He just didn't run the ship very well. But I, I do think he was able to kind of tell the boosters what to do for a little while. Um, so, and I just like somebody culturally that get, I think, a track record of overachieving a little bit because you're going to have so much talent, right? Somebody a nice job, consistent track record of coaching. What about like climbing? Not to just throw na- keep throwing names out there, but like a guy that has a good track record of winning. I there is a lot of passion, and like there are power players behind um, Kansas State football, and I swear they're not all members of the Snyder family. Though the Snyder family does extend pretty deep around that Kansas State football program. I I think you need a politician. I I think you need somebody who can to like that's the first thing that comes to my mind is a manager. Somebody who's going to be able to manage people, somebody who, who's going to be able to weigh the competing interests of the boosters in the university, of the different power players within that booster community who might want different things and you know want to direct funds in different directions. You you cannot um, you cannot be inexperienced at speaking that language with those types of people. I think that that's that would be the challenge if you try to sell me on Jeff Trailer is that Jeff Trailer might have connections with all the high school coaches and he might know some of these guys but it's a uh, it these are different rooms that you're going to be moving in when it comes to to trying to put in FaceTime and and trying to you know grant that that one-on-one or, or grant that special relationship that access that the you know the guys who cut the really big checks the kinds of checks that get cut to get Jimbo out of town to get you hired you need to be able to to move in those rooms, and maybe Jeff Trailer can. I mean, I'm I don't want to say that he's not. I just know that the world that he operates in at UTSA and has worked in, you know, in terms of being a head coach, 
is is not the same as what you have here at Texas A&M. Dan Lanning maybe might be closer to it just because of the kind of resources you're talking about at Oregon, though it's a very different booster community. Perhaps his ex- experience as a Georgia assistant comes in handy there. Um, well, I, I think the politician and being able to navigate that that community and delegate, uh, those are the things that I think are the most important qualities for Texas A&M's hire. Two things on the Lanning and Norvell stuff. I think they both have really good support right now. Like Oregon and the Florida State NIL are doing really, really well. So it's not like you're going for places that aren't having any NIL to like A&M, which has a war chest, which A&M certainly does have a war chest. We saw it two years ago with that recruiting class. Also, the ability to like win 10-plus games consistently and allow your family with your young kids to live somewhere where you're already making nine or 10 or 11 million, which certainly a lot of coaches will get raises off this. There's something to be said for that. Like Oregon is killing it in recruiting right now. Oregon is going to go into the big 10 with I'm buying Oregon over Michigan, you know, four or five years from now, I think like they're really, really killing it. As long as Phil Knight's around and doing the Mike Illich thing where we're just, we're trying to win every single year, like Detroit Tigers reference there. I'm going to win a whole bunch of games every year because a lot of these rosters in the Big Ten just are not going to be competitive with what I have. That's not necessarily true if you go to AM and you're in the SEC, right? Like Hugh is in games. But they're breaking up. I, I will say – to to echo his point with Lanning, like and I I think Oregon as it enters kind of the, the same Big thing 10, with the, you're breaking up, but we can't many, hear you. Many coaches behind. But I I, I will just say like to, to echo what you're saying about Oregon, that's the thing with Lanning. Like you look at the A and M job and you look at where you are. Oregon probably enters the Big Ten next year as like the third best team in the league. Like with mm-hmm. where they're currently stacked roster wise and what they've got coming in. Like, I'm not the third best team in the SEC at Texas A&M. I don't know if I'm the fourth or the fifth or the sixth at this point. So I don't think it makes a ton of sense for him to leave from that standpoint. Like, I think he's at a job where he's got an easier path to get where he wants to get than he would have at A&M. But maybe he wants that job. Maybe he thinks the profile, maybe the money. Who knows? Norvell, I kind of feel the same way because, like, whether – like if you're at Florida State right now, you're clearly the top dog in the ACC this year and probably for the next couple years because Clemson seems to be going in the wrong direction. I don't know what North Carolina's future really is with Mac Brown. So I I don't know. I'm with you. I don't know how attractive AM is. Like I think a lot of these guys are going to use it for a raise and somebody decent will end up getting the job. I just don't know if it's going to be a situation like Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU. I don't know if you're going to be seeing a sitting head coach at like a quote-unquote playoff contender blue blood type program leave for this job. What about guys? I mean, Dan Mullen and Tom Herman. Would either of those be a... Would, Mullen, I, mean, I, you can't, I don't think A&M could hire Mullen based on how that went at Florida with yeah. the recruiting kind of stuff. Like I, I feel like Arkansas or Mississippi State should definitely be calling Dan Mullen. I think Michigan State should be. I think a lot of programs that should be going after Dan Mullen. I don't think A and M would be a fit. No, Dan, Dan Mullen. It's the same thing with the Kiffin thing. Like I need to really believe 
that if I gave, gave you the resources, you can recruit at that level. And I don't believe that with Kiffin, and I don't believe that with Mo. Yeah, and you need to be, to be fair, the absolute killer and love the recruiting game at these top programs. Yeah, to be clear, I'm just mentioning the coaches that are out of work right now. Mm-hmm. That if Texas A&M was going to make a hire and put it in place in time for the early signing period and be able to just try to like have them work on their shadow staff, you know, over the next couple weeks or so, Tom Herman, Dan Mullen. Well, Herman's Herman at Meyer. FAU. He's not unemployed. Oh, yeah, that's right. Tom, Tom Herman's at FAU. And, and the season hasn't gone well. Never mind. Started well. It's going bad now. I will right. say, like, yeah, you just mentioned the name. and we mentioned They're, they're not going to hire the failed Texas coach. Yeah. We talked about all the things that you need to succeed at Texas A&M. Urban Meyer checks every single damn box and he is available. Like, I don't think it'll happen. I think Urban is serious when he says that he's done. But man, you kind of have to go, right? You have to just kind of check on that, don't you? 100%. Look, when Urban Meyer had an appearance on um, All Things Covered, the podcast that Brian McFadden and Patrick Peterson host, I believe it was this summer, they had him ranking what he thought were the best jobs in college football. And he kind of did it off the top of his head. The ordinal numbers, it felt like there were like seven ties in there. But what you heard from Urban Meyer going into this soliloquy of what he thought were the best jobs in college football and trying to rank them on the fly, he just picked regional areas where there's talent. Mm-hmm. Like he, he just went through and he was like, uh, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Texas A&M, Florida State. I mean, he just sort of like Al, he circled his way around. And I, I think about that now when I consider how Urban Meyer might look at the opportunity. If he's somebody that is so driven in terms of the way that he views the hierarchy of college football jobs in terms of how close you are to talent, hell yes. If you're Urban Meyer, you sniff it and you look at it because you're going to be able to wrap you're, hold on, let me see if I can get this. The like, you know, when you got the big title ring that when you slap your hand on the desk, it's gonna like make a, a not only just a thud but a little bit of a little extra clink. Like when Urban Meyer can put those three national title rings and wrap them on the desk, you're gonna shut your mouth. Like I, I think that he could um, potentially make make. First of all, it would be amazing for content. Would love it. But um, I think he does check up a lot of boxes, as you said. You know who else would be amazing for content? Jim Harbaugh? No. Oh. Going to get the Louie. He's going to fill it back up, and he's going to head on down to College yeah. Station. Go hire Dion. I want him to hire Dion. <laughs> no, uh, shout out to Ryan Nanny, friend of the program. I believe he said on Twitter, um, you know, like, just get ready for the news cycle to include the headline, Dion Sanders turns down Texas A&M. <laughs> I definitely I mean, see that being floated out there. In terms of a guy who comes in and just totally ignores your tra- traditions and starts all his own, like Dion dismantling all the other stuff that AM does. Like no no showing midnight yell and all this, like, He's already got the I, cowboy I'm hat. Content. Yeah. <laughs> and the got the hat, so just saying. Yeah, no, what'll happen is there'll be a phone call and it might just be on background. But then magically it's going to leak that Dion talked to Texas A&M. Just click, click. Cha-ching! 
does does Meyer have Jimbo vibes? Like like based on how it ended at at Ohio State. And no, because it ended, it ended the same way at Florida. And then he went to Ohio State and won a national title. I think he just burns out. Like, I That's think fair. he comes in hot as hell for the first three years. And then you get to year four, and it just kind of starts – the grind starts getting to him. Now, maybe – how old is he now? Maybe that, that cycle goes quicker 60. now. Yeah, because, you know, it's maybe he just doesn't have the kind of fervor that he once had. But also, maybe he's – I don't know. Again, I don't think I th- I think he's serious when he says he's not interested in coming back, but it's also maybe he's more a- available to, you know, delegate more and not make it matter as much, which if that's the case, maybe he's not the right hire. Um uh, ESPN's Pete Thamel, he, he said uh, early list of potential names for Texas A&M no- knowing money is no object. <laughs> um Lane Kiffin, we talked about him. Mike Elko Talked about him, Mike Norvell, Dan Lanning, Jeff Trailer, Chris Kleiman, Bud, you mentioned that one. Um, Kalen DeBoer from Washington. I think that probably falls under the same, like, yeah, he's a really good coach. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody would be shocked. That's more of a Kalen DeBoer question where it goes back to, would you want to leave that job? You're on your way to the Big Ten. You know, are, you, are you looking to uproot? Do you think Texas A&M is the right place for you and your family? That feels personal. But there's another name on this list, gentlemen, and we'll hit it before we get out of here. Cliff Kingsbury. No. Come on. Be serious. No. Really? Why why would you hire Cliff Kingsbury if you're AM? He put Cliff on the list? Yeah. Because the rest of those guys have a real pattern to them um, in, in my head. But like, wow, Cliff. Okay. Um, and it's, a, it's an early list of potential names, according to ESPN's Pete Thamel. So, um, who's his agent? <laughs> is it no nah, cliff's his own agent right now i don't know that's probably not true but anybody if i was his agent i wouldn't have i don't know if i would have been like yeah man just go to thailand no big deal come back whenever you want <laughs> I feel like that guy's representing himself at this point cliff kingsbury for those can you imagine but seriously though can you imagine the reaction of a&m fans if they hire cliff kingsbury like I, they hire the guy who couldn't win at texas tech and now he's gonna come win at texas a&m like come on Saban couldn't win at Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, he was the offensive coordinator for Johnny Football. Like, that's what you're pitching it as. Like, you show the Johnny Football highlights and that insane ride and the clips of uh, Kingsbury on the sideline. That that is what you sell as the Cliff Kingsbury hire is to... But are you buying as a Texas A&M fan if that's what they're selling you? Like, are you talking yourself into, oh, this is the one? So, Thamel did not have Urban Meyer on the list. Correct. Thamel knows Urban really well, right? And has reported on Urban a lot. Like, if Urban's not on Thamel's early list, just even like the wildly speculative throw it out there list, it maybe Urban is really serious about not getting back in. Like, I, I'm, I'm choosing to read into that. Yeah, I, I think Urban is serious. Yeah. Your internet just got so crispy. It's checkout time at the hotel. There's a lot less Wi-Fi being taken up. (laughs) Hey, you know what? I'm going to use this opportunity, like since we're all going to travel a little more, to uh, see if I can get a hotspot. Yeah, (laughs) like a work hot. This could be a good example. Jordan, uh, clip this (laughs) for our bosses. Hotspot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um. All right. Any uh, anything else? Well, listen, we're gonna. It it is the Texas A&M job. They are not going to. Famous last words. I do not think 
they're going to come right around with one of those. And we've already got him ready. Here he is hired on Monday. We're going to be talking about this job on a punch. The timing. And on, I'm going to be, I believe that we will be talking about this job on Monday's a pun for the review. And, uh, and we get to break out the carousel animation. Yes. Cause hey, we're about to start co- talking coaching carousel. I have a question for you. Just, just about the timing of this. We were told Jim Harbaugh was watching the game yesterday from his hotel room, but do we know for a fact Jim Harbaugh was in that hotel room yesterday afternoon? I don't know. I'm kidding, but let's send it out anyway. All right. That's it. It's official. I'm glad we got together to do this. I'm glad that it didn't get dragged out all day. So, uh, so for I, you, I appreciate, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate everybody getting up here on this Sunday morning. I appreciate all of you in the Cover 3 tailgate uh, for jumping in as well. Um, NFL candidates, that'll be interesting. We'll talk to our uh, our friends on the NFL insider side uh, to see if there's any names that we should watch for Texas A&M because when you're trotting out that kind of paycheck, um, you're going to be able to get interest from people all across the coaching community. And you can follow him on Twitter at Elliott 3 You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.